You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 103, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine-Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Doggone indeed. <laughs> follow his work at thedraftnetwork.com. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben who do you have as a historical eagle for the number 103? Me? <laughs> Good guess. One we'll plus it. zero plus three is four. Four is Kevin Cobb. Big ups, Kevin Cobb. Oh, I like that. Remember remember when people were like, yeah, like we're just going to start Kevin Cobb. Like, that was a thing. And we were all like, oh, down, boy. All right. Let me tell you, Ben. I fell for it. I mean, the guy's Absolutely, injuries. Right? I mean, at this time, I was like 13 or something. But I 100% was like, yeah, Kevin Cobb, starting quarterback, baby. Then Arizona traded for him or something like that. Absurd. Arizona didn't Arizona trade like a second for Cobb. Okay, now I gotta look this up. Yeah, a second round pick, and yeah, and they also shipped off uh, DRC. DRC. Yeah. Yes, Dominic Rodriguez-Camardi and a second round pick in 2012. Uh, Cobb began the season as the heir apparent to Donovan McNabb, but went down with concussion, losing his job to Michael Vick. Yeah, you hate to see it, Kevin. But when Michael Vick's the backup, <laughs> yeah, you're in it's trouble. It's tough to hold on to the starting job. Absolutely. So we have an update right now that we want to get to before we get into the show. We've been on Puppy Watch for several weeks now. And last we spoke, you had plans to go get that puppy. What's your update for those that don't follow you on Twitter as you would post a thousand pictures? Hey, hey, I'm in new (laughs) dog owner window of leniency and clemency. I'm allowed to post as many photos as I think well please. Especially when I'm in a massive field and she's chilling there. She 100%. She's a, I have my I have my puppy. Her name is Nugget. She is a it. hound beagle mix. Uh, she is 10.8 pounds. She's like, I think 20 inches nose to tip. She is very sweet. She loves love. She loves affection. She loves people. She loves people so much that she eats them, um, which my right arm can attest to, which I look like, I'm a man, but I'm like, oh, like, oh, marking scars. No, it's just my dog is eating me. <laughs> but no, she's 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 actually she's quite bright. We're very happy. She's learning very very quickly, and so her mouthing is much better. And everything is much better. Only thing is that she did just you know figuring out the bathroom and everything like that. But she's tremendous. And like I was saying with the photos, she is 100% very like sassy isn't the right word she i think she's a little smug she very much so like you know she flops down into the grass and she like puts her little head up and like flips her ear and then she looks at me like well aren't you gonna take any photos now i'm like i'm right, fine i will she's got like a blue steel look going to her it's 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 she is posing she's a bit she's a bit of a glamour girl she reminds me a little bit of uh 
You never watched Gossip Girl, did you? You're not. No. You never watched Gossip Girl. No. Okay, that's the same. We have Big Little Lies in common. That's that. I think that's where it ends. That's as far as we're gonna get. She reminds me of Blair on Gossip Girl. She's just got. She's got like a queen bee sort of feel there. Which she's what like her letter was five, and she was the only girl. So yeah, she's she's legit. Um, but we love her dearly, and she's absolutely freaking adorable. And I have to leave her on vacation. And I've never been sadder in my entire life. Uh, how are you? I'm, do- I'm doing very well. I, I like every day's good day to be alive. Sorry, what, what was that? <laughs> I said every day's good day to be alive because I forgot to remind the listeners of that. Because uh, I started talking about my puppy, but I'm glad you're well. <laughs> yeah, follow Ben if you want to see how his dog looks like the emoji dog, which I thought was interesting. Very cute. Very Lit- cute. I didn't realize because I don't use emojis. You know this. BLG because <laughs> you, right? you don't understand them. Yeah, because they greatly like because like you'll just say BLG something, he'll just send me like one face. I don't really know what the emotion's supposed to be. <laughs> Um, but like the dog emoji with like the one eye white and the one eye brown and the brown ears, the white face, it's 100% her. She looks just like the dog emoji in terms of like coloration and her face. It's super cute. Only difference is she's still got a pink nose. Cause she's a puppy. So follow Ben for all the puppy pictures. I know you guys are enjoying them already. But look, let's talk about some football. Let's talk about Jim Schwartz saving the season in week 15. I'm just going to come out and say it, Ben, because that's what I think what happened. Like, no, no, how this how this all came about was... I talked with the guys at Sports Info Solutions for Fireside Chats number 12. That was with former NFL scout and director of football and research, Matt Manichurian, also Bryce Rossler, who works for them as well. And we were talking about blitz tendencies for Jim Schwartz. And, you know, they noted that the pressure started to ramp up on third down. But still overall, you know, Schwartz is not known as a big blitzer. And a lot of times with the Eagles, with the front that he's had here, if we can get there with four, his philosophy is, well, we'll just get there with four. So what I did was based off that chat, I went through every third down pass and every third down scramble against the Eagles for 2018. I charted all this out looking for tendencies That's and whatnot. A lot. Yeah. And I'm and it's it's like over 160 plays. So what I did was charted everything. I've got all these different notes. I still have to organize some of them. But one of the things that really stood out to me was that in week 15 on third down against the Rams, Schwartz brought more pressure than he ever had. 50% of all third downs, he brought heat. That's significant because there were six plays that were third and 10 or more. He blitzed on none of those, which means if I'm mathing good right now, that six out of six times on third and less than 10, in fact, you can make it five yards and less because they brought the house on every one of those. And not like simulated pressure, like where a guy acts like he's coming, then after engaging, he like bails out and just to occupy a blocker. I'm talking sending like pure heaters, two five-man blitzes, six, 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 and a seven-man blitz and all. Now, did it work? Against blitzes, Goff was three for five with an interception, took a sack, averaged 4.75 yards per play, 50% success rate because they converted two third and ones, and a third and three. They also failed with one yard to go, two yards to go, and five yards to go. I'll take that. It's right at the league average for passing defenses in that situation in in terms of conversion. So you throw in a sack and an interception, I'm taking that 100 times out of 100. Now, here's the main takeaway that I got from the game, just as a whole, and props to Schwartz for letting him hang in a big spot. But the main takeaway was that without Schwartz taking in the lessons from the two weeks prior, from Matt Patricia and the Lions, who really set the blueprint nobody saw because they stunk, and Vic Fangio, 
of the Bears. This game looks very, very different if he doesn't take in those lessons and apply them. And in turn, the season two, and I remember writing this article for BleedingGreenNation.com before that game, and I mentioned what defenses were doing to adapt to the Rams to slow them down and shut them down. And I questioned if Schwartz was flexible enough with his scheme. Now, keep in mind, this is two weeks after Malcolm Jenkins came to him in the middle of the Giants game and told him to simplify things. So he has no Jordan Hicks, and he really can't run nickel. He's running big dime. He has Avante Maddox on the outside. Cravon LeBlanc is in the slot. That was a new thing. Corey the Turtle Graham was playing center field a lot of the time. No Darby. Wow. Didn't know we were doing that, but I'm there. <laughs> no Mills. He was rocking with Rasul Douglas, who was starting to develop throughout the season. He had all these factors working against the possibility of a flexible game plan. And I remember the comment section from the BGN community, and it was no way Schwartz could adapt. Absolutely not a chance, but he did. And the Eagles, in turn, controlled a lot of that game when they were fighting for their playoffs lives. So if you're a Schwartz supporter, this is the game that you point to. If you're a detractor, well, I just handed you some doubt because that game, in my eyes, was one of Schwartz's best as a coordinator. And the importance of it, the opponent, the constraints placed on him via injury, all those factors, he overcame all of that. And it helped the offense in a huge way. Average drive for the Eagles offense that game started on the 39-yard line. That was the best in the league on the week. You have to go back to week 10 to find a single offense league-wide with better field position than in that game. Best of the season for the Eagles as well. So if you want to credit that to Foles Magic, and look, Foles saved the season in, in week 16. I will readily admit that. But if you don't want to credit week 15, the, save, the season being saved by Schwartz, I think you're really mistaken because, look, the, the offense itself, they had their first three drives go inside the 50, throw in a red zone trip. They scored six points, 24% success rate on the first 21 plays, 40% after that. So if you have to pick a side for just this game, the defense won that game, hands down, which was mm -hmm. big after they crapped themselves recently against the Saints and the Cowboys. Now, was Schwartz great all year? Probably not. And I had my moments of being incredibly critical of him as well. But you get further from the emotion of it and you re-examine it, the linear progression of things, how it transpired. And I have more appreciation for him, even if I still have some doubt about him. But really, I do feel like he's not given enough credit when he crafts something like this. And that's really why I wanted to highlight it, because it's not as black and white as any of us make it out to be on Twitter when we talk about it. And we should be able to talk about both the good and the bad, honestly, Ben. Okay. There are several things here. Let's go. One, I'm very glad that Jim Schwartz blitzed more against Los Angeles Rams. It was a big part of the Eagles winning the game. It's a big part of the way to, to beat Jared Goff and the Rams offense as it currently looks, which is a very high-powered offense. And as we detailed uh, at the time, and then we can now detail again, the Rams are scoring above 30 points weekly. They scored under under 30 points twice before that Chicago Bears game. So three times before the Eagles game, and then the Eagles kept them under 30 again. That's that's very irregular. The Rams only scored under 34 times that year. And the Eagles with a very ragtag uh, defense, injuries in the secondary, and let's not forget injuries on the defensive line, right? Like this was the Bruce Hector, Trayvon Hester, and Holodi Nada are all going to get snaps game. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you know, because Michael Bennett was spending the entire time on the outside. I'm pretty sure Brandon Graham was down, like – you know, this was not a healthy team, trenches to secondary. Right. So I'm very glad he blitzed more. Would I, I, I think, I th like, I, my, my question is, number one, how much credit do we give a guy for doing it at the last possible game, at the last second, like, well, and like, like when that's you're back up against the wall? Right, it's, and that's the thing, is like, well, guess what? When, you, if, if you lose the Rams game, all your playoff hopes are gone, right? So, you either stick with what hasn't been working, but it's what you've done forever, or you just do something completely different, Either way, if you lose, it's done. 
it's it's done. It's bad. You're in hot water. If you just switch things up and it works, well, like, there you go. Like, you know what I mean? Like you you have nothing to lose is kind of the moral of the story yeah. there. And so I just think the idea that he was so rigid in his blitzes and also his coverages, they played more middle field open that game than in any other game I've ever right. seen some shorts, right? And, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And that's my thing. It's like I'm very happy he made all these changes. My question is – is this just going to be like, a, oh, wow, like we've really uh, we've that really played ourselves into a tough spot here. Um, maybe we should change something like, you know, because that's that's the thing is like there's being adaptable and then there's, you know, just throwing the kitchen sink at it when nothing's working, when your back's up against the wall. And like, you know, those yeah. kind of things look a little bit different. And I do wonder, you know what I mean? Like I said, we've got many factors here. We've got like you brought up, we've got Detroit and Chicago, Chicago, namely having an incredible amount of success against Jared Goff and the Rams in the week previous with a ton of blitz looks. So we have that. We also have uh, a weekend secondary, and you want to protect a weekend secondary. Listen, like if you, this is a classic adage, like if you have a bad cover man, blitz him. He don't have to cover now, does he? You know what I mean? You blitz him, and now you're, you're, you're introducing pressure, and you don't have to, he's not a liability in coverage. So you have a beat up secondary. You know, we say Provon LeBlanc's first game, Avante Maddox is starting on the outside, which is not something he'd really done up to this point. You have a beat up pass rush. Jim Schwartz is all about pass rush with fours, all about getting a rush up the middle, interior rush, quick pressure. Well, Michael Bennett has to play on the outside right now because Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett are both down. Uh, so you, you're basically rushing Fletch, Bennett, Long, and then Hester slash Nada slash Bruce Hector. Not, there's, there's very little depth. You know, like Dave, this is what, like, I think it's a Deshaun Hall game. Pretty sure Deshaun Hall was involved in this one as well. Um, so it's not, a, it's not a deep defensive line. So you have that. And then you have the whole backs up against the wall. Things haven't been working. Which, what what combination, what alchemy, what concoction of all these different factors, right? Because I love to tell you, Jim Schwartz yeah. came into Peterson's office on Tuesday and said, "Listen, I really I ripped through a lot of uh, a lot of previous golf film, and I really think it's 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 outside of our ideology. It's outside of the way we should do things. But I really think if we approach him this way, and we give him quarters coverage, and we give him you know the, these sorts of looks, and we send these blitzes, and we send five on third down, we can really beat him. I'd love to tell you that happened, but I wasn't there. All I see is the result." And a whole lot of potential processes, right? Okay. And so, it, it, like, you know, how much credit do you want to give? And I'm, I'm on record and still firmly believe that, like, when McLeod was healthy, those first three games, yeah. I really liked what Schwartz was doing in getting away from his constant marriage to, to to cover three, right, and everything. And of course, they lost that Tampa game, and that Tampa game was very frustrating because you know they they seemed to just sit and off cover three the whole time and just let in breaking intermediate routes. Yep. Eat him to death. Just deep comebacks, deep ends, whatever it was. He went He went from the highs of the Atlanta game, which I thought he was great in, to the lows of the mm-hmm. Tampa Bay game, which I thought he was terrible right. in. Like, that's kind of the problem yeah. we're dealing with. Right. And we also, had, we also had the Titans game where, like, if you looked on, like, you know, like a, a, a weekly tracking chart of, like, what coverage the Eagles run, <laughs> it'd be like cover three would be, like, 80% every single game. And then the Titans game was, like, 15. And then it was, like, back up 80. You know what I mean? And they, they were running, like, you know, we talked about this, the inverted Tampa 2 is something we talked about, something I wrote about, right? Yep. But I, I argue there was experimentation in the season. I argue that there was more of it when there were healthier players. <laughs> Makes sense. You have your starters. And that process isn't easy. You know, you got to like throw a lot of stuff at the wall and kind of see what sticks. Again, very glad things came out in the Rams game because then we beat the Bears in the playoffs. We made it through the divisional round. Like, you know, it was, it, was, it was tremendous news. Like, it was good. Everything, you know, everything works out in the end. But I said this in the recap of the Rams podcast, recap of the Rams game podcast way back in December when that game was. We, you know, you and I especially, because it's our job, want to believe luck's not a big part of this. 
Sometimes it's just it's just you know striking at the right angle. It's just hitting the iron ball. It's hot. I'm like, I um, well, I mean, there was a low snap to Goff in one of those situations, and he threw it, ends up in Corey Graham's lap, who's coming in on a blitz. Like things like right. that have to happen too to beat really good football teams, and they happened. We like to think that we know what we're talking about. Sometimes chaos just rules the day, man. Right. And so the moral of the story is. This was good. What happened in the Rams game was good. Did it save the season? Sure. Yes. No. Whatever. I don't care. You need to pick a side. Did he save the season a week? Is Jim, this is my question. This is my question. Rams game considered. Is Jim Schwartz coming out next season and blitzing any more than he did in previous seasons? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Right. So it's, 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 it's a good conversation topic, but it's not what I think we should come to expect as closer to the norm yeah. uh, for Philadelphia. Yeah. It's interesting because I've always been, I think, more critical of Schwartz than you, and we kind of flipped it for this, which kind of shows you how polarizing Jim Schwartz is and how many factors go into that. So that was our talk on Jim Schwartz, just something I came came across when I was going through the film. I'll be writing up something for bleedinggreennation.com as I start to discover some tendencies and suss things out, put some film together and whatnot. So that's the project I'm working on right now. As I mentioned on the At the Podium, uh, the Lost Pressers episode that I was working on that. So more details on that coming soon, just on the overall blitz scheme and tendencies for Jim Schwartz. And when we come back here on Bleeding Green Nation, I have a surprise topic for Benjamin Solak that I'm sure he's Yay. extremely concerned about. Yeah, he's very excited. So we'll get to that when we come back here on the Kiston Solak Show. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We are back on the Kissed and Solak Show, episode 103, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Michael Kissed here with Benjamin Solak. He just got a big surprise look on his face because I sent him a link to what I wanted to talk about. And it's something that I never, ever, 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 ever want to talk about, despite the fact that it drives me. Yo, look at second to last name. <laughs> Second to last name, Zach Ertz. Yeah, so what I'm looking at right now is the Pro Football the Superbook odds to win the 2019 AP NFL MVP award. Anybody that knows me knows that I absolutely just despise MVP debates because they always just get turned into something just completely noxious. Hey, but Julian Edelman is on this, not Julian, Julian. <laughs> Good old Julian. That is not a bet I would make. It's not Super Bowl MVP. It's it's you know actually being good throughout the season. So as you look at All this, one name that that I've been talking about a lot recently on Twitter and on the QB Sco Show as well. If you look at the right hand column, about five names down. Do you risk five dollars on Mitchell Trubisky being the NFL MVP at two hundred to one odds? No. <laughs> No. Say it louder. No, absolutely. Hey, here's <laughs> and 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 Mike's been coming real heavy at people at um at Bears fans and at Trubisky, which I do not condone. I do not co-sign. That is Mike going off on Mike's Twitter. You never co-sign anything I put on Twitter. That's not like a link to our stuff. <laughs> right, one hundred percent. But like, there's some things where like Mike like his and I'm like, yes, that's a take that like, we have. We've chatted about this. That's cool. When Mike came flying out off the off off the hip, I'm like, "Yo, turns out Trubisky actually sucks." I'm not. I'll put it to you this way: If Trubisky is playing at an MVP level, Patrick Mahomes must have 90 touchdowns, right? Like defenses <laughs> must be so bad 
I think Nagy's offense is good. I think it gets a little bit gassed, but it's good. I think they've got great weapons, which is a good situation. But at the end of the day, I don't think Trubisky, because we have to remember, MVP is a is a is not about how good you play. It's not about how valuable you are to your team. It's about stats and narratives. That is all the award is about. Stats Correct. plus narratives. That's why I hate it. So I, I would I would say yes, there probably is a narrative path by which Trubisky, like, oh, like they lose Big Fangio and the office takes a huge step forward and, and the Bears win the NFC North again and like Trubisky, you know, looks good and, and Rogers looks bad. Like, oh, like, you know, Trubisky's the new king of the NFC North. Okay, the narrative's there. Just stats wise. He just he they're not he's not gonna throw the ball enough, I think. They're gonna run it a lot. They have right. three backs that they really like. Just not like he he he's a, he's a very scramble quarterback who likes to tuck the ball and run. He's not a great deep passer who throws a lot of deep. Pass. It just doesn't make right. sense for. I think what just his statistical ceiling is like he might take a huge step forward, but even if he does, like like I was joking, like if he's statistically like oh like maybe MVP Mitchell Trubisky, then like there's got to be seven other quarterbacks who are like you know breaking Tom Brady's single season record. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's 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 too much. And so no, I would not be throwing anything on Mitchell Trubisky the only name I look at that's under like a hundred that's a hundred to one or lower where I might put MVP money on is probably Dak Prescott at 100 to one probably Aaron Donald at 100 to one those are the only ones I would think of I mean the first names here Patrick Mahomes four to one Aaron Rodgers eight to one Andrew Luck eight to one fade 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 Carson Wentz ten to one maybe Vince Quinn from 94 WIP was in my mentions yeah. yesterday saying that that was ridiculous that that Carson Wentz one is the wasn't the most bet on quarterbacks this is all this is all this all came about the ringer had right. pointed out that Mitchell Trubisky is in fact the most bet on MVP candidate coming into this season everyone is throwing sure. their five bucks to win a thousand on Mitchell Trubisky. Right. Well, the thing is, like, the thing is, the, the the player who gets the most MVP votes at this time of the year is just going to be the players who their fan base thinks that their ranking is too low, that their right. odds are too steep, and it's like it's like a it's disrespect, right? I think Carson's is too high, ten to one. Vince was telling me it was disrespect. I'm like, what are you? Th- I'm thinking, what are you talking about? It's too high. <laughs> I mean, he's above Philip Rivers, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady. To me, that's silly. It's 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 good for the sports books. I'm sure they're making money on it mm. because. Like Lewis Riddick came out with his prediction, and I, I can't stress enough. If Carson plays 16 games a season, you know, in 2017, he's maybe winning the award. I think he can clearly put out that talent. The offense around him is unbelievable in terms of scheme and in terms of supporting cast. Yeah, I can't be sure the guy's playing 16 games, right. and like you can't be sure of anybody, right. right? But I feel a little bit better about like Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan playing 16 games, who've done it very regularly across the course of their career veterans who know how to avoid big heads, veterans who know how to protect their bodies, veterans who are not in recovery, as opposed to a guy like Carson. So Carson, talent-wise, sure, I'm there. But for him to be tied fourth-best odds, uh, I'm not there for it. No, Matt Ryan at 25-1 to 1 and Jared Goff at 60-1 to 1 are the two most interesting to me. Take Jared Goff out, give me Matt Ryan, and give me Baker Mayfield at 25-1. to 1. You don't, Oh, I come on. Those. You don't think, oh, come on. I think Jared Goff at 61 is a fantastic bet. All the Rams need to do is be exactly the same as they were this year. He's at least going to be in the conversation. Oh, yeah. At 60-1, to 1, it's fine. I'm saying I really like Baker Mayfield at 25-1. to 1. I don't think Jared Goff's that good, and I think the offense has no. to figure some things out. You, 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 take, you can take a sophomore quarterback. For MVP odds at your own risk. That's bananas. He's also got Odell with him. Look at the weapons he's got around him. The second year was I'm the not going to take a player I've watched nine games on and be like, at 25 to 1, is healthy. You know what I mean? Like, well, I, I would be curious to see what Mahomes was last year because Mahomes had all the weapons around him. And Mahomes had a great system. And Mahomes had 
all the hype, but I doubt he was at 25 to 1. Yeah, but he also had like zero games played too. At least Baker, you got a little bit more. And, you know, you also trust the coaching staff there. Because uh, I was doing a big series on rookie quarterbacks for the draft network. I would argue every first season of every quarterback ever is a false signal. Yep. Rookie seasons aren't real. Right, exactly. And so, like, the fact that, like, you have games for Baker is just like, I don't know. It's just like, it's just, it just, it gets, it wiggles in your head. And you're like, no, I've seen him. He's good. And I, I think Baker's the man. I think he's tremendous. I just not to the point where I feel comfortable being like, yeah, I've seen seven games. I'm willing to bet on him for MVP. It's just too much for me. Yeah. Do you love Deshaun Watson at 60 to one? Because I think I kind of love it. No, because I don't think uh, it's the same health. Like, I mean, it's better value than Carson. Obviously, yeah. it's six times the value. I don't think the health is a good situation. Jimmy G, Jimmy G as well at 80 to one. You have the same concerns. Yeah. And also, I just don't like, are we I, sure? Are we sure Jimmy G is good? Like, are we? I read. I wrote about this a couple of days ago. Did you? Yeah, I like what I see from him on film. But yeah, he's started ten games, and he was just paid like forty plus million dollars. And so What's he's crazy. fascinating because yeah. after this season, they can get out of that contract whenever they want. Like yep. Whenever they want, they, can they get built out. that so, really smart because they had money to well, literally burn when they did that. This is uh, Joel Corey, who's a CBS Sports ex-agent who does a lot of cap writing for them, was on the Ringer podcast a few weeks ago with uh, Robert Mays and Kevin Clark. And he was asked, like, all right, like, everybody talks about, like, the you know the Eagles contracts and, like, this, and, like, Kirk Cousins, fully guaranteed, like, who's a team that does contracts really well that nobody pays attention to? And he was, like, the Niners. Because the Niners just do not mess around. It's, like, there's never, like, oh, and, like, option bonus this year. No, it's, like, the Niners just pour all of your money in the first couple years and then after that, it's like, listen, play well, or we can get rid of you. Which, like, obviously, like, you know, there's there's a big debate as to whether or not that's good for NFL players and how that's going to change over the next CBA. But the Niners are very austere when it comes to setting up contracts like that. And they had a ton of cap space that either was rollover or just poor Jimmy G. Jimmy G had a $28 million roster bonus, <laughs> which is about 28 times bigger than the average roster bonus because they it was part of his guaranteed money. Right. Uh, there was no way that, that Jimmy G wasn't going to get it. They had the space. Might as well just put it in there and then make the last four years of the contract a lot easier to handle. And so if Garoppolo plays well and stays healthy, he'll be tremendous value on his last three years. And he'll be able to build around him nicely. Yeah. People like the Niners' as like sneaky Super Bowl team this year. No. No. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, I think I asked you about that last year. Like, is it time to start talking about the 49ers? We're like, yeah, they're about a year away, and then the Garoppolo injury happens, and then, you know. I was in on them last year. Yeah. And then they had two interceptions across the course of the season last year, which, Mike, let me. It's so so bad. It's so bad. Every game, the defense caught an eighth of a football. (laughs) (laughs) They caught, like, the nose. Yeah. Mike, I need you to understand that the next closest, right, is the Houston Oilers, I think in 84-85, don't quote me, with three interceptions in a strike-shortened 11-game season, Mike, <laughs> in an era in which nobody threw the fucking football. Like, we are seeing record pass attempts. Like, this was right. like interceptions per pass attempt or anything like that. No, 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 no. Like, we're seeing record pass attempts, and the Niners defense was only able to catch an eighth of a ball a game. Like, their turnover differential was, at the end of the year, was minus 23, which was worse than the league by a huge margin and would have been one of the worst since the merger, if not for the Browns two years ago being minus 25 when they went 0-16. <laughs> but 
to, I need you, like, I, I just can't. How do, how do you have 25 less interceptions in a single season than, than anybody else? <laughs> There's 25, it was, it was minus 25 turnover differential. No, I'm no, I'm saying this is a new stat. This is the leader in interceptions. Chicago had 27, they had two. How do you have 25 less than anyone else? Right, I mean, like, like, how, what are you doing? But that, <laughs> And that's the amazing thing is, like, their, their turnover differential, right, was minus 25. So, like, all right, like, that's bad, right? But like, no, really put this in your head. Imagine they play a game. They get no turnovers and they give the ball away twice. Mm. All right. And then they play next week and they give the ball away twice again, but they get one turnover, right? <laughs> Let, let's say so, like that, that's the right. So, like yeah, over a two like game that. stretch, they had two turnovers in both games, four total, but then they, they got one back, right? Yeah. That over the course of the season would be minus 24. They were yeah. minus 25. They wow. were worse than that. And turnover dire- differential uh, dictates what? 78% of games? If you're plus it's, minus. Yeah, it's like, it's, that, and that's the thing. It's like if you lose a turnover differential by more than two, you lose like 80% of the time. Right, and they yeah. did that every other game. Yeah. That's <laughs> wild. Right. So this is why I'm out on the Niners for now. Uh, I'd like to see. <laughs> and the thing is like turnover differential predicts wins, but it's also not super sticky season to season. So it should A, regress back to the mean, and then B, they drastically improve the pass rush, which should help. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, they only had one player with more than six sacks last year is DeForest Buckner. You can do a lot of things with pressure and fumbles and what. Right, exactly. So they should get better pass rush. That's going to obviously generate more turnovers as well. And then you expect a regression back to the mean. So hopefully that'll improve things. But in general, it's just unbelievable ineptitude on the defensive side of the football. Um, and that's why I'm, I'm out on the Niners. I think the real team to watch in that division is the Seahawks. Ooh. So is yes, the Seahawks a team you want to do for the Eye on the Enemy series? Because we got to start sussing out who we're going to take as like legitimate contenders to the Eagles in the NFC. I think the Seahawks are definitely. You have Russell Wilson. You can play with anybody. I don't care. Mm-hmm. No, I think I think you have Russell Wilson. You can play with anybody. I don't care. I think you, the the year of improvement for that offensive line has clearly borne some fruit. I think they're going to be solid unit coming into this year. You're a year farther removed from Tom Cable. That's a plus for anybody. I don't care what right. your situation is. And while the offensive ideology is worthy of uh, mockery <laughs> at times, it is the offense is much better built right now in terms of weapons to succeed in that mold. And that's the thing mm-hmm. is like if you can do it well, you can do it well. You're going to win games. Most of the league is bad. The Seahawks, and then the thing is like the Seahawks and the Rams never don't play close. Yeah, all you got to do is split with the Rams. You should be able to split with the Niners and not beat them both. You should be able to split the Cardinals. Yeah, you should be able to beat the Cardinals twice. So there you go. In your division, you're four and two. Like I think, I think like the Seahawks are absolutely a playoff team again. Wonder if they're going to push for the division because I think the Rams are going to regress. But anyway, um, that's 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 why um, that's why I like that division. I like the way you're talking to me because I have a small monetary bet with Jeff Cavanaugh from 105.3 The Fan about the over under wins for the Los Angeles Rams based on my recent take about them. So the Seahawks need to be good. For me, for my You sake. mean my recent take, but it's fine. Oh, is it? I'm like going to go back through every article and podcast of this network to figure out who was the first between you, me, and John Stolness to say we think the Rams are going to regress in 2019. Oh, I mean, it's I mean it's Garofalo, too. I think a lot of people think they're going to regress. I just don't think it's going to be – I don't think they're thinking like that bad. Like a lot of people think they still make the playoffs. Like my bet is for 10 and a half wins because that's the line. I just took the under. Mm-hmm. I think there's definitely a lot of people saying there's going to be regression. I think the offense is worse off than a lot of people think. One last question for you about these MVP odds. You have to pick one. Saquon Barkley at 80 to 1. Or Kirk Cousins at eighty to one. Barkley, easy. Yeah, just wanted to get a shot in on Cousins. Again, it is a narrative and stat 
yeah. thing. Like, who pro- who is more valuable to their team? Kirk Cousins, five bajillion times out of five bajillion. And I think Barkley is an objectively valuable running back. Yeah, but it's it's Cousins. If they like, if they're both playing at the MVP level, who's going to get the narrative and the stats and the hype and the media? It's going to be Barkley. Barkley. Yeah, right. I don't think the Vikings are going to be very good this year either. So that kind of hurts things as well, Ben. Anything else you wanted to touch on before we get out of here, or did you just want to say goodbye to the gentle listeners? Kind of a quick show today. There's nothing unreasonable about Mr. Trubisky to Bears fans. They lived through enough. I lived in Chicago for four years. It's very tough right now. It's like 90 degrees and humid every day. I give a lot of credit to I get a lot of a lot of credit to Nagy. I give a lot of credit to that defense. I think they're a very good team. It's going to fail because mm-hmm. they don't have the right quarterback. They picked the wrong one. They should have picked Deshaun Watson. They should have picked Patrick Mahomes. Hindsight is 2020, sure. But if Bears fans think that Mitchell Trubisky is going to put anything on his back. In the playoffs, I think they're sorely mistaken. Percent chance of Matt Nagy and Mr. Trubisky having a functional NFL offense in you know by the end of next by the end of this upcoming season. What's the percent chance? I think they had a functional offense this season. It's just not good because Trubisky holds them back, and there's a ceiling on it. Like Nagy is going to, like I said in, in the tweet, and I I made the phrase lipstick on a pig. Nagy's going to do a really good job of putting lipstick on a pig, but at some point Trubisky's got to go out there and win you the game. And defense is not sticky right. from year to year. They lose Fangio. Right. Like, there's so many things working against them, in my opinion. They were the fourth healthiest team in the NFL last year. They had things working their way. They blew it in the playoffs. Home favorites. Home favorites against the 31st worst banged-up team in the NFL. You can't get it done with the number one DVO defense. Yeah, Sorry. but Foles. Oh, but Nick Foles. Yeah, sure. I know you told me not to go yeah. on a rant about that and take it easy on him, it's but okay. that, that's my I, The thing is, like, I shouldn't have opened that can of worms because I haven't watched Chicago's offenses offseason. I haven't watched your best game, so I'm not prepared for it. But either way, no, thank you as always for listening to the Kiss and Soul Live show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. I appreciate Mike for working around the schedule of the new member of the BGN Radio family. The second no, she yet. stops eating everything that goes near her, she will get a little <laughs> Eagles bandana. Right now, she just has an Eagles blanket that she tears up. Um, out of love and support for the team. If you enjoyed the podcast, which let's be honest, you did, uh, you can go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcast. We won't know unless it's iTunes. 20 away. 20 away from 1,000. We're over 1,000 total ratings. Yes. We are 20 away from 1,000 five-star ratings, which is incredible. Right. So if the Niners caught one-eighth of a football game, if 100 of you just give us one stars, one star, but... In groups of five. That's a weird way to do it. I would have just said if one-eighth of the listeners give us five stars, that we'd be okay. <laughs> if just you and four of your buddies who hate the podcast just all decide on one rating and review to tell us why you hate it, but all five of you do together and all five of you give us one star, then we'll have five. We'll have a thousand five-star ratings. It'd be great. Uh, yeah, do that on iTunes. Get us to a thousand. We need to do something to incentivize them. We still have not done this because the off-season we're lazy and I'm going on vacation. But rate, review, and subscribe. Hang out with us on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S O L A K at Michael Kist NFL. That's K I S T. Mike, what's going on the rest of the week? Because I literally do not know because I'm leaving. Yeah, I mean, BGN Radio returns this week. We just had the QB Sco show yesterday with Mark Schofield where we talked about the Battle of Alicia and maybe also some football. Uh, but we've got some different things coming down the pipe. I'll, I'll, I'm working on some other things. This is a week that I really don't have firm as far as what's coming out. So that's a bad thing. But I always figure it out and we'll have it figured out here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate the five-star ratings and reviews and we hope you enjoy the content. Ben, I was God, I had one more thing to say to you. I had one more thing to say to you and your stupid face. I can't figure it out. We all we got. We all we need. Fly Eagles fly.
Machine.